Welcome to Surrey Economic Insights, where we sit down with some of the top city building and industry experts to unpack the latest business insights and opportunities affecting fast-growing cities like the City of Surrey in British Columbia, Canada. My name is Stephen Wu, the Manager of Economic Development with the City of Surrey. And today we're very, very pleased to have Remy Dubay, who's a colleague of mine um, in the building division, because we're going to talk about permits and some of the uh, things that we've introduced over the past few months um, at the City of Surrey for guaranteed permitting as well. So thank you so much for joining us today, Remy, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Happy to join you. Yeah, so Remy, you and I talk a lot because every time um, we get an interesting company, oftentimes they say, hey, you know, we need the city to help. We need the city to kind of help us with a permit or something like that. And usually you're the first person I call uh, for help. You're kind of like, I put out the bat signal and you come on and Batman comes to kind of help save the day. But we also get a lot of requests saying, hey, you know, why does the city even have to have permits? Like, are, are permits relevant? And it seems like permits are kind of hindering process. Would you agree with that? Well, I, I don't think they hinder process. I think it's part of the process. I think we have we have a everybody has a role to play in, in, in the industry, I guess. And at the end of the day, uh, everyone just wants to get people into their building, whether it's the, the, the builder, uh, the architect, the city, and everyone at the city, whether it's the planning department or the bylaw department or the building division. All we want to do is get people into safe buildings as quickly as possible. So as the the city, where the respected jargon is the, we're referred to as the authority having jurisdiction. So under the Building Act, we're responsible to ensure that code are adhered to, so that when people move into a building, they know they've been built to the most recent and applicable codes, whether that's uh, structural codes or building codes or electrical codes, plumbing, all of that, as well as our bylaws. We have our zoning bylaws that we have to adhere to. Um, there's processes for that. And at the end of the day, the building is kind of it's at the back end of that. It's, it's, we've gone through the rezone. We've gone through you know, public hearings. We've gone through all that. We've applied for building permits. And at the end of the day, when you get your final acceptance on a building and you can move in, it's really you've already spent time with us. You've been here for a while. But you can imagine if you're in a building next door to one that's going up, you want to make sure that one's followed all the rules, too, so it doesn't encroach onto your property or worse fall onto your property so we're all part of the of the machine and that's it's a matter of finding best ways to work but i guess a lot of times you know when permits come in um usually the developers or the proponents they have a lot of consultants and experts that are working on these files for them what are you finding today um in terms of the industry in general like why are we not able to shift some of those responsibilities onto them for kind of providing accurate information so that once it comes here you know it's just a rubber stamp it's a bit of a loaded question but fundamentally in bc there's a joint and several liability with municipalities. Unlike Vancouver, Vancouver has their act that kind of protects them from stuff. Uh, we have different responsibilities and we have different liability. That's that's one thing for sure that we have to deal with. We are responsible to, to ensure that the buildings that come in do meet the codes and definitely our bylaws. I mean, there's no question if we don't look after the bylaws, who does? And in some cases, some of the discrepancies or issues we run into are related to bylaws. But, you know, let, let's look at something really basic, a tenant improvement in a building. You, you've got this old, say, a 20-year-old building. It's a, a, a small, light industrial building. Somebody comes in, they want to put it in a bathroom. 
they apply for a building permit for the bathroom. We go through it and everything's done properly. They've got all their, their schedules, all of their uh, professionals are lined up. The architectural is all done properly. And then we show up on site to do a, a kind of a pre-permit inspection. And we see that the previous owner has built the mezzanine without a permit. So suddenly this, what's being proposed is not consistent with what is currently on site. And what is currently on site is not consistent with what was approved originally or endorsed previously. So suddenly something that could be done quite quickly, a washroom in a, in a unit, turns into a bigger deal because of baggage that's come back. We've, we've had occurrences when mezzanines have collapsed uh, just under the load of whatever was placed up there because they weren't designed to code. Or worse, you know, we have a fire and somebody's trapped up there because they, they were not designed with proper egress routes. So that kind of stuff is, is what we're part of. Fire department, they go and inspect places before we issue business licensing and they see this stuff that was done without permits. Uh, we've seen places where, you know, false ceilings have been built hiding sprinkler heads on a sprinkler building. So suddenly you've lost your fire protection on a commercial or industrial building. That's not including the residential stuff we deal with every day, which is, uh, you know, sometimes it's kind of scary where people would actually choose to, to sleep at night or have their family sleep at night and they've done stuff and you just... It's not always safe. So I, I think as a as a community, there's a responsibility for everyone involved. And that's everyone from the builders to the municipalities to the bylaw officers. So just kind of picking up on something right there, because I don't think a lot of people kind of think about this, because when people come in for a permit, they're thinking about the permit for their particular use. But a lot of times they don't think about the fact that when they sell the asset, that permit is still valid until someone else kind of does something else with that building. Am I correct? That's right. Yeah, it's it's whatever the use is for that original permit. It runs with the building until somebody changes it. And that's important to realize as well. You can't put a restaurant in an industrial building without making significant changes to that building. You know, different occupancies for the buildings and so on. Coordination between professionals is important as well. So sometimes, you know, yeah, it'd be great to do, to do the rubber stamping, but that coordination has to be there. So um, you can't have structural engineers proposing something and then have the plumbing guys come in and do something that will cut through a beam, for example. Now, I'm giving you bad examples here. You know, 95% of the buildings that go up, they're designed and they're, the guys capture all this stuff. But every once in a while, something will go strange on us. And we, we see that and we work with the, with the designers to catch those things. We see ourselves in partnership with, with the designers and the developers and the builders. And we know that we're a small part of the process. If I'm putting up a building, I'm spending a lot more time securing the land, securing my trades, getting my designs done. The permit should not be the hindrance. The permit should just be part of the process. You get, it, that should not be what you're afraid of. It's, you should be more concerned about ordering your concrete, for example, nowadays, or your glazing. Glazing is a major problem now. So... And that's another issue that we run into. We have people that come in from out of province that have not kept up with the BC code sometimes. And they'll try to do or they'll propose something that is not consistent with the code. So I, I know that, you know, during COVID, uh, that was kind of an interesting situation for your team, because um, in speaking with you, there was 
likely a record number of people coming in for permits. Broadly speaking, you know, as we talked about it, you know, you probably as uh, someone buying a building that's pre-existing, you probably want to do your due diligence on what permits are already there. Are there kind of things that were are not supposed to be there, but are there? And how do you deal with them? I've been dealing with a number of companies who've been in this tight industrial market. They are outbidding other people. It's almost like that crazy residential situation where you have 12 other kind of bidders. Do you feel that that's also aggravating the challenge that people just aren't doing the due diligence? Yes, I, I think it is. I mean, let's be honest as well. I mean, people move into buildings. They're they're not into building. They're they're selling something. They're they're manufacturing something. They're they're not builders necessarily. So they may not know the business. So with that, let's start with that. So mm-hmm. so that's why you've got to surround yourself with a team of people that know what they're talking about. And definitely, I've seen a lot of cases where people sign on the dotted lines to occupy space. They start paying rent well ahead of the work they needed to do. And then, you know, the, the, the clock is ticking. Every, every month, they're, they're, it's costing them thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. And in some cases, that starts, they haven't even completed their design yet. Or worse, they've got a design that's partly done, and that's what comes into us for a review. And... There's no doubt that the market right now makes it difficult. Uh, I think a lot of the building owners push hard in that regard. Flip side, I have another case where, again, to to protect the innocent, we're not going to name the people, but we have some building owners that will, developers, that will not charge their new, you know, whether they're selling individual suites or they're renting them, they're not going to charge rent until those people start construction. So during the plan review process for the tenant improvement, for example, it's the shell builder or the developer that's taken on that cost. Now, the problem with that is that now the tenant doesn't feel the heat necessarily, unless the tenant really has a deadline at the other end. So I've had cases where owners are saying, what's going on with this tenant improvement? Why is it not moving? Where's the delay? And then they'll reach out to us and they'll say, what's the status? And we'll say, well, you know, we've been waiting for resubmissions from their applicants or it's with us, but there's a conflict or, you know, we can work with people to get the timing. So it kind of goes both ways. Um, but there's no doubt the more frequent case is when somebody sign on the dotted line for a space and they're essentially paying rent before getting their permit issued. And that's very it's stressful for the applicants. It's stressful for the architects as they're under the gun to make things happen. And in some cases, you have an applicant who sign on the dotted line without doing enough due diligence. And they're trying to throw, you know, maybe a daycare in an industrial part building that's manufacturing nails, you know, and that's going to cause problems. So that's just that, an example, right? That's just a, that has that really actually happened? no. But we've, we have had daycares come into buildings that are not really, mm-hmm. they're not classified for occupancies that are for daycare. We've had issues with parking in buildings like that, where, you know, you don't have enough parking for this change of use. And all of that stuff takes time to, to resolve and it, it causes delays in the processing. So the more upfront work you do, the better. The more your realtors can help you get to that point as well, because often the realtors are part of this, this project, these projects, and they they have to support us in that. They have to work with their clients to say, look, this this use, you know, there used to be a restaurant in here. 
you want to put another restaurant in, it's probably going to be a little easier than, you know, from a, from a restaurant to, I don't know, some kind of office use or worse from office use to a restaurant. That's usually takes more time to deal with, or, you know, the assembly or, or subdivision of units, stratified units, you know, there are steps to go through. You have to understand the legal ramifications of that and what, what that involves, you know, are there going to be restricted covenants required to deal with that? So the, the realtors have to be educated in that context. Otherwise, they're not going to provide good service for their clients. So they need to know what's happening. You know, they should be able to share that with their clients and say, hey, by the way, that was done without a permit. So if you come in here and you want to do anything, you'll have to deal with that mezzanine. But yeah, the, the market has been interesting. It was a bit of a slowdown at the beginning of COVID. You know, everything you know, the construction and everything else. And then it really amped up. A lot of people moved. And, you know, anybody in the commercial real estate world knows that whether the market's growing or, or decreasing, people are moving, right? It's the steady state that doesn't see a lot of movement. So with what's happened and all this change, people are moving back and forth. There's all sorts of stuff happening. And to make matters worse, the timing of supply chain issues in the past, you could put in a, uh, you can get some cost estimates for construction and, and you could think about it a bit before signing on uh, with, the, with the suppliers for, for the supply. Now they give you almost no time. And even then there, there's all sorts of out clauses to say, yeah, sorry, your steel is going to cost whatever it costs when we get it. Um, puts pressure on the clients. Are things getting better right now? Better in what sense? Um, I guess slower interest rates going. Yeah. Well, I guess interest rates going up, you know, giving people a little bit more time to do their due diligence and um, asking the right questions. Right. Yeah. But that's, that's a double edged sword, right? Because of the interest rates are going up. The guys who have put out the cash to, to to get the buildings up, they want people in. So they're feeling the heat too. Um, in, In terms of heat to get permits out, yeah, it's ebbed a little bit, right? It, it slowed down. People are saying, wait a minute, let, let's think this through a bit. But there are some people that are really pushing hard now because of these costs. They want to get their tenders out. They want to get the prices fixed. And they there's also this issue. I mean, it's not an issue, but it's reality. You want to keep your people busy. If you're a contractor or a developer and you've got a group of trades that you always hire, you want to keep them busy. You don't want them to go to somewhere else. You'll never get them back. Yeah. There's that reality. There, there's the reality of developers moving forward saying, okay, we may not make the cash we thought we would make. Or we, you know, financially it's not as viable as we thought it could be. But the overall game plan here, we've got to keep moving because we've got to keep our, whatever, our, our concrete suppliers or framers or whatever. We've got to keep them happy and employed otherwise we'll never see them again and as well as internal employees you know if you have a staff of 200 300 people you don't want to lose that staff you want to keep your staff employed you want to keep the company going even if there's a bit of a slowdown you absolutely so there's that reality that we deal with and that that's always going to be there but yeah i think we're seeing a slight slowdown Mm -hmm. i'm careful to say better because I think some yes. people are seeing it. <laughs> That's all. 
And, and I guess, you know, one of the things is, you know, we talked about the realtors needing to kind of know their stuff and being able to kind of provide good advice to um, their clients. But obviously, you know, um, here at the city, we also see a lot of stuff with buildings. Um, are realtors, are proponents able to kind of check in with the city on, you know, things as well as they do their due diligence? Absolutely. There are different ways to do that. You, you can get comfort letters, obviously, for buildings. Uh, some of the comfort letters, we call them comfort letters. They're not very comforting. Uh, some of them, um, but really it's a status update on the building. You, you get that, you get authority from the owners of the building and then you can get a, a status on all of those, the outstanding permits and so on. You also get an update on whether or not there were violations on that property that have not been addressed. Certainly like even single family homes. Now there's a lot of things that get declared officially on, on taxes and so on. If, if it was a grow up and that kind of stuff, that's, it's easy to get that stuff. If you have the time to get it, if you have to outbid someone with no conditions on your properties, that's a little more difficult. But for sure, realtors can come in. They can approach us and say, hey, what's the status on this building? They can ask for comfort letters, status updates. There are ways to get background information. Similarly, if you are renting a space, you can ask for record drawings of that space with uh, through our website. So there are ways to do that. It's... and. Architects know how to do that. Okay. Like most of the architects we deal with know, okay, I'm going to move into this space. They're going to get the record drawings and they'll be able to work on it. Realtors could do some of that as well. And, and do you find that they actually are doing it or is it just that they're up against the crunch and they're just kind of waiving that part of the process? Is that something that we can help promote and kind of make aware that this is something that they might consider or should be doing? I, I used to be more in the land development side, as you know, and on the land development side, for sure, there were realtors that were really dialed into neighborhood concept plans and that kind of stuff. So they were very forthcoming with their with the potential developers coming in and very knowledgeable. So they, they could figure it out. And they and if they didn't know, they could reach out and say, hey, what's the servicing plan for this area? What's our, What's your timeline? That was easy to deal with. On the building side, there are many, many players. Some of them are dialed in really well. You know, the, the, the larger companies, again, I, I'm not going to name names, but we know who they are. They tend to be dialed in. They tend to be able to tell their clients, this building is at this place. They're getting these permits for this kind of stuff. You get someone who may not be as experienced in the business, maybe not as much, but we're here. We've got the call centers. They could call in. They, they can do inquiries through our web, uh, web-based inquiries, uh, emails, and so on. The data is there; it's available. If you have authority to get to it, obviously we can't Got share it. stuff that people are holding back on. If you're of if course, you're an owner course. and you choose not to share anything, you have to give authority to the, the people asking. Absolutely. So I, I guess we started off this conversation kind of talking a little bit about the guaranteed um, permitting timeline. So, you know, we've talked about a lot of the challenges of, you know, people just getting the right information and getting the right information on time. So what are the top tips you have for people so that when they do come in for a permit of the city, we can actually respect the guaranteed timelines um, for their applications? Yeah. So first of all, the guaranteed timelines, we, we, we've rolled that out for single family building permits, for tenant improvements and for rezoning processes. So the key for that is that the, essentially the clock starts ticking at a complete application. So you can't come in with a piece of paper saying I'm applying for a building permit with no drawings. So that's the first thing. Um, the, the most important thing to do is to get a good team that you trust. Uh, get a good 
whether it's an architect or an engineer that's coordinating the the, the team. Um, at the end of the day, they're going to be signing off on stuff anyway. That, that that coordinating professional has to sign off on all of this work. So that's the key. Get a good team. The second thing is make sure you understand the the uses that you're trying to to bring into an existing building. If you're dealing with an existing building, you need to be clear as to the the uh, the approved uses, whether it's a zone issue or a building classification issue. You can't start building, you know, manufacturing explosives in a light industrial building, for example. Right. There, there, there are different rules for different things. And when we say explosives, you know, high alcohol content distilleries, for example, that's that's a highly explosive manufacturing process. There are rules to that. So you want to make sure you're putting that stuff in a building that's safe. So that's important. Understanding the use and the building that you're going into. And then also having it clear in your mind with your team as to the timeline that you're working with. So you have realistic expectations. Our 10-week guaranteed timeline, that's based on us first getting it as a complete application. And as it goes through the different processes and there's you know different referrals here for you know electrical reviews, plumbing reviews, engineering reviews, all of this stuff. There's back and forth going on. And then finally, the, the building review happens after all of that. And we guarantee that that's done within 10, 10 weeks. If everything's done, you get your permit. But if there's stuff, you know, if you have conflicting information, if you're missing information, that slows things down. So the key is to have in your mind your timing, a realistic times, because it takes time to design as well. You've got to give your design crew realistic timeline and then construction as well. You know, say it's a three-month, six-month build-out for the space and then maybe a six-month design. So right there, you've got six and six. Maybe that's a year's worth of time without our review in the middle. So, you know, you, you add that, be realistic. Otherwise, it's like watching water boil, right? Yep, absolutely. And as you said, you know, the permitting is just a part of a larger process, and it's just about kind of making sure that you have your project management schedules in place to account for a lot of those um, timelines as well. Well, thanks again, Remy, for joining us today. Always love chatting with you because, um, you know, you have some interesting stories and it's always good to kind of hear directly from you, you know, what some of the challenges that you're facing and what you're trying to solve as well. Because I think, as you said, we're all on the same boat. We're trying to help development move forward, but sometimes we just need to kind of get the right information to the right players at the right time. So thanks again, Remy, and uh, hopefully you can kind of join us again to talk more about this uh, very interesting issue. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks.